Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, I'm excited about today. Been waiting for this morning for quite some time. A great friend of mine is with us today. I've known Kevin Kapler. Oh my gracious. I was probably 20 years old when we first met. I'm 27 now. So about seven years now. We've known one. <laughs> no, we've known each other for probably 25, 30 years at this point. Uh, we've had a lot of fun together. He is the Chubby Bunny King. Anybody know the game Chubby Bunny? Like two of you in the room. Yeah, you take marshmallows and see who can put the most marshmallows in your mouth without like choking and dying and still be able to talk. Man, Kevin and I, we were on a team together and we ruled. We may have cheated a lot, but we won. It was a great time. But I'm excited that Kevin is with us. Kevin is the very first um, chaplain to police officers for the Assemblies of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. In a day and a time when our law enforcement is not always treated the way they should be treated, Kevin chose to change fields. He had been a pastor for years, a music pastor for years, and, and God began to redirect, and he's like, you know what, now's the time to step into a new journey. So he has taken on this challenge. He is ministering regularly to law enforcement and partnering with them and being with them, but I don't want to share everything. I'm going to let you share it this morning, but would you give a big round of applause to my friend, our friend, Kevin Kapler. Thank you, Pastor Chris, so much. Love you guys so much. He is, and he and Angie are just awesome folks, and I just so appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let me just uh, kind of get started here this morning. I think we have some slides, maybe some pictures to kind of introduce myself. We've got a lot to unpack and a short time to do, it, but we're going to have a great time today. Can I get an amen in the house? So my name is Kevin Kapler, as you see. Uh, I am married to my wife, Sharon, of 35 years. Everybody think that I'm married up, say amen. All right, she's not with me today, but uh, she is. Uh, she does travel with me some. But when you're on the road every weekend, it, 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 with her working and things, and watching our our new grandbaby that we're going to show you a picture of. We have a family. We have two sons, Chris and Craig. Chris is on the right hand side. He's bald because he shaves his head bald. He is in law enforcement as well. Serves another county. My youngest son, Craig, he's 26. Craig, Chris just turned 32. Okay, brother, my Chris did. So, uh, and then he he's got his own family. Take a look at them, if you will. And that's Holly, his wife, Carsa, and Kama, and their newest uh, baby together, Colson Ray. Look at that head of hair right there now. And he is three and a half months. He's almost 20 pounds. And he gets every bit of that from his grandpa. I just want you to know that today. So you're going to see some pictures scrolling of some things that I did. You're going to land on a website, and we're going to talk about that Or as far as you can go to that website uh, and take a look and, and, and do all kinds of neat stuff on there and just kind of read a little bit more about while I'm talking. But I want to just unpack this a little bit and just say I am blessed to be here, and I am a Missouri Post certified commissioned officer now as of about a month ago, five weeks ago, I picked up a commission. Amen. Um, 
And that was a trip. I'll just tell you, we're going to talk about the training uh, and things that involves in, in that. So I just recently picked up a commission. I am Missouri Post certified. I serve as a chaplain for the city of Farmington Police Department for several years now. I also the St. Francis County Ambulance District. I am from Farmington, Missouri. Does anybody know where that's at? All the way on the other side of the state. Yeah, somebody back there giving it up for Farmington, all right? Uh, and so I live in Farmington. I've served there. I've been there. I've served in many different things, uh, working as a pastor. Uh, pastor Chris and I met at camp working, and he was, uh, did anybody ever see Pastor Chris's Toby? Okay, you don't even know what I'm talking about. We'll just pass on all that then. So we met whenever he worked in children's ministry, and we had a great time. Have you ever done Pharaoh, Pharaoh with your church? Yes. You need to ask him to sing that song for you guys, okay? I'm just saying. I'm a U.S. missionary. After about 20 years of pastoral ministry, I'm now currently a U.S. missionary coming alongside uh, our law enforcement officers serving those who serve others, of which I'm very proud and very thankful to get to do um, and be able to do these things. So I serve in my local community, yes. But many people say, well, what are you going to do? What else, what, what else is involved? Well, the goal of U.S. missions would be to, that I feel the Holy Spirit's downloaded in my heart over the itineration process is to resource, recruit, and equip other potential chaplains to serve in their local communities. I'm one person, and I cannot be in every community, but if I can spark the enthusiasm, uh, or if I can just by speaking to people in, in situations like this or online and it speaks to someone's heart that says, you know what, I love our law enforcement. I believe that I could become a police chaplain. I believe I could do something like that. Well, we want to be able to, to help you be able to do that at least, if nothing else, by through a, a conversation of working with our police officers uh, over 800,000 in the United States full time. That's just law enforcement, okay? That's not reserve. It's not EMS. It's not a first responder. It's not uh, central dispatch. How many of y'all are connected to law enforcement in some way? You know someone, you are first responders, you've been somebody, you're that. Okay, lots of people. Every time, Pastor, when I ask that, there's so many people that, that, uh, uh, that give me their hands because they're affiliated with this large group of people of which they are their own unique culture. If you've ever been around law enforcement, much like military, they are their own culture indeed, okay? They seem odd. They seem, no offense, brother in the back, but they seem odd. They seem strange. Sometimes they can come across uh, very uh, arrogant at times, but there's reasons for a lot. Now, let's just be for real. Sometimes police officers can just kind of be just not nice, okay? I get that. But you know what? Guess what? Sometimes in the church, we're not always nice either. Oh, come on. He's preaching now. I, ain't got to, I got to hustle because we got too much to get through here. But I will say this. One of the reasons why we're going, one of the biggest reasons, did you realize that among this group of people of 800,000, the suicide rate is four times the felony rate? And that means that for every 100 officers that, are, that others are taking their lives, there are 400 taking their own lives. Because of the things that they deal with, the things that they see that they cannot unsee. They lead in alcoholism, they lead in suicide, unfortunately, and they also lead in divorce. We're talking about a group of people that need to have the light of Christ uh, enabled to them and be able to have that opportunity for someone to share that with them. Can I get an amen in the house today? Before I get into something real fast, can I just ask John to come up, if you can snap a picture of this pastor. Uh, come on up. Uh, John, I'm going to present John with something. He's one of our local law enforcement heroes. Give it up for your own John Klein, I think. Is that correct? Okay, come on up here. 
works with Pettis County, if I'm not mistaken. We'd like to present John with a law enforcement Bible. If you'll face the congregation, hold that up because pastor's going to take a picture. And we like to be able to show that off that we're I'll doing these things. That's bit. what we want. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, John. Thank you. Thank you for serving. Amen. Give it up for your own. Let's go, to, let's go to the Word real quick. Let's talk about a couple of things. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22 and 23. I've got a passage that's just going to talk a little bit about. We see that, that Peter's response here. Jesus has been telling him he's going to go to Jerusalem, and this is all going to fit together. Hang with me. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He will suffer. He will be crucified. And on the third day, he will resurrect. We understand that. And Peter's response in this passage of Scripture says this, that he took him aside... And he began to rebuke him. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now before we start bashing the apostle Peter because of his attitude, we need to understand that Peter's best interests were for Jesus. He loved Jesus. He didn't want anything to happen to Jesus. But we understand that, that Jesus understands that he's speaking to not necessarily Peter, but the enemy that's trying to divert him from the cross. You understand this morning that without the cross of Calvary, this wouldn't be possible. We wouldn't have the opportunity to worship God as freely as we do. We wouldn't have the opportunity at salvation. So, so we understand that Jesus looks at Satan. He looks at Peter says, get behind me. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the concern of God in mind. I'm so glad that God's concerns are so much greater than our ways. Amen. All and the The Messiah was supposed to look like, right? They believed he would become enemy by force. They believed he would be the militant and that he would do these things in such and such a way. But he wasn't doing any of those things. He wasn't anything like that. He would be a Messiah that would be a Messiah that would imminent and he died in a preconceived idea of something totally different. For one that had no place for humility, the one that every jot and tittle would be taught, you know, dotted and crossed and all of these. Their idea of Jesus looking different than what he really is. Let me share a statistic that one of my law enforcement recently showed, shared with me recently. Today, over 60% who profess born-again believers who profess Christianity between 18 to 39, if that's you, raise your hand, Leah, and forgive me here. Relatively young congregation here. 18 to 39, several of us in the room, and not for you anymore. I'm not 100, no, anymore. I'm 41, no, I'm 54. 18 to 39. This age, 60% of the age of your leader that confesses one chance to believe there is more than one God to get to Jesus, to God besides Jesus. Now listen, that's astounding. Now listen, that's astounding to me because that's not the world thinking that. That's the church. So it's very alarming because what is that? Very different idea of who Jesus
In Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I'm so thankful that Jesus sought me out today. I'm so thankful that he continues to seek and that he continues to save. And listen, if he can use anybody, he and if he can use me, and if he can use somebody who makes all kinds of mistakes and has made mistakes and can use them for the kingdom, man, that's a God that I want to be around. Amen. That's somebody that I want to spend time with. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost today. The Bible says in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to serve. So if their idea and all the people out there, maybe their idea of Jesus is so different, what's different? What caused this? I want to bring you down to one word, and that is, everybody say context. Context. I've got to, I want to unpack this real quick here. So in 2018, 2019, after serving in several years of pastoral ministry, I became, I worked and served with our officers, be, fell in love with, with what they do. Um, listen, I didn't go through, a, through, 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 through the training that I went through because I wanted to be a cop. Well, I get it. I am a cop by, by paper. I get it. But I did it for other reasons. But what if there was somebody who could commit themselves to this group of people full time? What if there was a person who could say, you know what, I'm going to come to the city and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give you myself and it's not going to cost the city of Farmington anything. You're not going to have to pay me a dime. Because you see, in rural communities, particularly Farmington's about the size, a little bit smaller than Sedalia it looks like. And you see, these rural communities, they're, they're, not going to, they're going to put somebody on the road before they budget a chaplain into their budget. Are you with me? Because that's where they're needed at is, is people on the road. And so I began to pray about it, I began to talk to our guys about it and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? They all liked it because whenever it's somebody else's idea and you're, they're not the ones having to do it, then everybody's all bored, you know. Pastor, I got a great ministry for you to do, <laughs> you know. That translates to you want him to do something that's on your heart. <laughs> Never mind, we'll preach that one another time. And so I began to talk to them, and I, and I, and I prayed about it a lot, and I, I called U.S. Missions in Springfield. I said, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I do. This is what I'm thinking about doing. I just want to know if you think it's legit. What do you think? And the gal on the phone, brother, the lady on the phone said, we don't have anybody doing this. You should make application." Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes the person on the phone's got a lot of authority. <laughs> and she's like telling me, you need to make application. We don't have anybody doing this. And I was not prepared for that answer. I will tell you that. So, um, thank you. Wow, I can't believe that, which is amazing to me. But I'm going to keep praying about it. I mean, how does it. Have you ever almost prayed your way out of a decision? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the room today? And so I began to pray about it more, and, and about three, it can be a, a six-month process or more. And so about three months into it, the, 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 the director calls me, and we're talking. And he says, hey, you're unofficially approved. Wow, that's, praise God, you know, the spiritual answers. Praise God, that's, that's awesome. And you know, and I'm excited, I am excited about it. But the other side of it was, what well, I don't know if I was ready for that yet. So I said, that's awesome, thank you so much. But I'm still what? praying about it because we like to pray, right? We as people of God pray. Prayer never hurts anybody, okay? But I do feel like I need to get some training. So this is what I want to do. I want to go to police academy. Drop the mic, walk away. <laughs> and so at age 52, I enrolled into the law enforcement academy 
where the average age is 25 to 19. Anybody in the room that's that age bracket? <laughs> a handful of you guys, okay? I just want you to know, I love y'all. It says nothing against you because you weren't there, but I was, okay? With a group of students. And I love the students, but D-R-A-M-A spells... All right, there was much drama. And that was like this, you know... Frustrated because they're fighting with their girlfriend and their debit card won't swipe in the vending machine to get stuff at break so they can have snacks during the, the, the class. And I'm just thinking, i got to go home and get a message ready for Sunday so you can put together a set list for worship. I've got a hospital call to make. I've got, I've got somebody to, you know, you know i got to mow my grass. You know, I didn't have time for drama. Whew, first day of academy. I have to hurry. It's a heat advisor in August of 2019. They bring us out. There's a lot of pre-qualifications that are involved in this thing, this process. You've got to run so many, a mile and a half, some, such and such a time. So many push-ups, so many sit-ups. Brother, come on, right? You've got to do this in such and such a time. And I trained for it, you know, and I try to stay active and try to stay somewhat fit. Thin as a shape. You can laugh. It's okay. We can laugh in the house of God. And I remember... The first day out there, and I didn't want to be the guy. You know, we did it, and I did all. I did fine on it. And I'm watching the other students, and some of them are about ready to pass out. And I'm thanking God that I'm able to do this. And and it wasn't the easiest. It was hot. And then after all that, they brought us together and said, "Hey, we need to. Uh, we're going to play football." And, and all the kids are like, "Oh yeah!" They're all excited about it. But no, th this guy right here missed the boat on the jeans of that. I can't catch a ball, play ball, don't know anything about football. And it was like anxiety all over to me again. Amen. And they said this. And they call us all by last name. It's paramilitary. If Kapler, that's me right here. If Kapler, me, the, the oldest guy in the class, older than the instructors. If Kapler, why did they have to pick Kapler? If Kapler misses the ball, everybody gets to run. Uh-huh, brother. Listen, you don't want to be that guy on the first day of school. Don't tell me peer pressure is over when you graduate high school. I don't want to hear that. Not once, but twice, but about three times, I missed the ball. And every time Kapler missed the ball, we all got to run in the heat advisory in August of 2019. Listen, but at the end of that, they called us together and they asked me to do this one thing. Would you like to pray over the class. Man, I was just, you know what, inside, I, now I was holding my composure, but I feel like if I would look back at it now, inside, I would be doing this. Super excited because I knew how to do that. Prayed for the class, went back to church on my lunch, having my prayer time, and I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped something very valuable in my heart. He said, the only way you would have ever been able to have done what you did today was to be in the exact place you were in as a fellow student alongside them. And I felt like that was impressed of God on my heart. And I felt like that the process was going to be big in this. And I wish that I could say that I embraced everything about the academy from that day on, but it wasn't like that. There was challenges, defense, defensive driving. You know, we have to do, not miss, you have to miss the cones. It's kind of like the Dukes of Hazards on steroids. It's not too bad. That one wasn't bad. Scenarios, all of these things we have to duplicate and act like we're the officers. And then they're screaming at you and yelling at you. Why didn't you arrest him for? He had a warrant. I'm like, I don't know. That's, I'm thinking that's why I'm here because I'm trying to learn. I don't know you have to worry. I know now if you've got a warrant, you're probably going to jail. 
I get it. Now, if you've got a warrant, somebody asked me when I walked in, they said, are you here to arrest somebody today? I said, no, I'm not. I'm here to talk about what I do. So no, we're not doing any of that today. <laughs> okay. All of those, but there was one thing that was really rough, you know, besides firearms. I don't know about if there's any gun folk in here that really like guns. I don't know if people in Sedalia like guns. You probably don't like guns up here in Sedalia, so. I, I grew up in the country, but I'm not a gun guy necessarily. We had them in the house, but, but firearms was a challenge for me. Everybody else is all over it. They're hunters. They do that. I had to learn how to, to do certain things, and the shotgun was horrible for me. There's too many instructions to remember how all that goes, and plus it's the prone positions. It's these positions. And how many positions do we need to have? I don't know. Okay, so a lot of that. Defense tactics. Mm. So for our test, I'm a, what's your name, buddy? Joe, can you come up here and help me with this real quick? Everybody give Joe a hand. <laughs> Joe, we might.
who didn't get out of the house. So there we are in that setting. Mom's here, dad's on the way to the hospital, child's still in the home, haven't been able to take out yet, waiting for the coroner and the things to arrive to investigate the situation. And they bring me to mom. And I just want to say this. What in the world can you or me or anyone in this sanctuary say to someone who's going through something like that? And the answer is really, to be honest with you, is nothing. And so we fall back on our training. We empathize. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I can't possibly understand what you're going through. Is there something I can get you? Is there something I can do for you? Can I make any phone calls? Can I make contacts? Can we just gather the family and the friends around who are here? Can we just have a word of prayer? And I will tell you, most people in traumatic situations do not refuse prayer. They may, but I've never come across that yet that I recall. Prayed with the mom. Got her back in the vehicle. There's no reason for her to stay out where it's freezing. And I remember this. I went back to sit in the squad car of the officer who I only met a couple of times. He's not even one of ours. And this officer told me. He says this. He says, we tried, they tried to reach other people. And they said, you know what? He, this is what he said. I know who will answer. And I just want you to know something. That's big. Because they don't, they don't do that. It takes years sometimes to get to that point. The officer sitting in the car, he said, it's amazing the difference the chaplain makes when they come on the scene. Because before you arrived, she was a mess. Now listen, church, you online, listen, those of you who are watching, listening, she doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know who Kevin Kapler is. But she, she understood something. You see, chaplaincy is a ministry of presence. It's not always about what we say. It's not always about what we do. Most of the time it's about what we don't do. It's just that we are there when they need us. And so that particular time, the officer said, because when you arrived, she just calmed down. Chaplain sees a ministry of presence. It's, a, it's that presence that the Word of God talks about that transcends Anything that you and I can... It doesn't make sense to have a peace that's some sort of a peace in the middle of chaos when you're hurting and breaking, but there's something that that's calming effect. We as chaplains have the ability to bring that peace onto a traumatic situation in, a, in, in an incident, in a tragedy when most people don't even have the right to be there. And I thank God for that. You don't have to see people with bullets in their heads. You don't have to see tragedies with people that didn't make it out of the fire. You don't have to see those. But I will tell you this this morning. I don't enjoy seeing those things. I have. But if it will give me the context, they'll be able to come to me if they need to. If it will allow me to be a presence of Jesus Christ, God, but I don't deserve to. I'm not doing this because I deserve to do this. I'm doing it because there's a need. And if God will allow.